Welcome to Icons in the Making. I'm your host, Heather Stern, CMO at Lippincott, the creative consultancy behind some of the world's best brands. Join me as I sit down with the leaders of today's most influential brands. You'll hear stories of transformation and walk away with a new perspective on what it means to be an icon. This is Icons in the Making. Today, I'm speaking with Ariana Orpello, a marketing superstar and industry disruptor. Ariana has been a change agent in financial services as a marketing leader at Capital One, TD Bank, and now at Goldman Sachs. She's a role model to colleagues wherever she goes, especially to working parents, and has a slew of awards to prove it, including Brand Innovator 40 Under 40 and Ad Week's Working Mother of the Year. When we spoke, I was so impressed by Ariana's no BS attitude by her honesty about the ups and downs of being a female leader, especially a mom, but mostly by her deep passion for being part of building a better future. So with that, welcome. Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. I'm so excited to be here today. So let's go back to 2008 when you started your career in financial services, a historically male-dominated industry. What attracted you to the industry and what was it like being a young woman in a quote-unquote man's world? Oh, Man, this is such a good question to start with, because I think it's something that, you know, when I think about 2008, how far we've come in so many ways, we've progressed so significantly. But I think about myself as a young advertising professional in New York City, a mentor who took a chance on me, put me in a role very junior where I got to do so many things. And I was sharing a studio apartment with a friend. And it was awesome. And I got to live the New York advertising life, which was really cool. And I was making no money, but I loved my job. And then I decided after a while that I wanted to move back to Philadelphia to be closer to my family. And I had a networking connection that I had met. And he was like, Hey, I, I know you want to move back to Philadelphia. Let me introduce you to this guy. He works at ING Direct. He's amazing. He's a product leader. I was like, I don't want to work at a bank. Why would I want to work at a bank? I'm in advertising. I'm cool. Like, but I'm not working at a bank. No way. ING Direct was an amazing company, you know, entrepreneurial, brand and technology led before its time, mission driven, purpose driven. And I fell in love with the people. Everybody you meet is a chance to meet somebody else. And that has been a theme throughout my career. It's always been people taking chances on me and connecting to people and having them like open a crack in a door for you and then running through it and taking the opportunity. And I joined ING Direct. I moved back to Philadelphia and very, very, of course, like very male dominated when you looked at the the leadership team run by two fantastic visionary Canadian men who frankly were just disrupting a category. And even though it was a, a male dominated environment, They worked against the grain. It didn't matter how old you were. It mattered how good you were. It mattered how fast you ran. It mattered if you thought differently than others, if you were more creative, because the whole business was built on that. So it was a perfect environment for me. And I grew up there. You know, I worked under a man named John Owens. He was the head of marketing. He was an ex-J&J marketer. And he just took me under his wing. And every time my boss left, he gave me the next job. And that boss left and he gave me the next job. And we were just an amazing partnership. 
And I think that really accelerated my career, just having someone who believed in me and was willing to throw me in environments and situations that other people might not have. And I think the culture enabled him to be able to do that. So I think it's interesting when I think about uh, male dominated, because for me, my best mentors and people who opened the most doors for me were actually men Mm -hmm. and pushing me through the door and saying, no, you got this. I'm behind you. And I think that there's something special about that. And now I'm in a completely different situation, which we'll talk about later, which I ran to work for three female powerhouse women at Goldman, because I've never been in a situation like where I've been able to be underneath amazing women. And this is a, a great opportunity for me to be able to do that. There's a lot written about how women need male sponsors simply because often it's men who are in those positions of power. And so without that, women won't be able to get into positions of power and therefore women under them won't. To your point, people took chances on you, but you've obviously been able to always thrive in those environments. So then you described moving on from ING and doing amazing things at TD Bank and Capital One, a call you got about an opportunity to come to Goldman. And your first instinct was probably the same one as when you were an advertising executive in New York, like absolutely not. So tell me what was going through your mind. How'd you say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for this. For me, it's always about running two things versus running away. I wasn't looking. I had an amazing gig at T-Day. I loved my team. I felt like I built a phenomenal culture. I was co-leading a marketing department of over 200 people with my best friend. And our engagement scores were through the roof. And when I got the call, I got it from a recruiter who I really trust. And I was like, listen, thanks, but no thanks. Like I'm, I'm good. And she was like, but it's at Goldman Sachs. And I was like, that's great. But I'm in consumer. Goldman Sachs doesn't really have a consumer business. And, you know, there's wonderful things about the brand, but there's also challenging things about the brand. And she said something to me, which was really interesting. And it continued through the process as I went, which was, listen, the first two women you're going to meet are Fiona Carter and Stephanie Cohen. And for anybody who knows those two names, you don't say no to meeting those women. No. (laughs) Fiona is a legend in marketing. She cared about diversity and and women's representation before they were cool things to care about. She's a Oxford studied marketer who grew up in planning and and moved throughout her career to run like massive agency teams and then do incredible things at AT AT&T and other brands. And Stephanie Cohen, she's been at Goldman Sachs for over 20 years. She's a powerhouse. She has ascended to the highest ranks of Goldman Sachs. She was just named one of Fortune's top women. So I was like, okay, I'll meet them. I met Fiona and she was everything that I thought she would be. She was thoughtful. She was methodical in what she asked me. She was passionate about what the firm was doing and the role of marketing and creating this strategy that had never been done before. Very much a commonality in her career is like just creating stuff that doesn't exist. And then I met Stephanie Cohen on a Saturday. And I remember the recruiter saying to me, remember who you're meeting. You're walking in a room with literally like the top woman in finance who's running a division at Goldman Sachs. You know, I'm not really a formal person if I'm being candid. So it shook me a little. So I went up Saturday morning. My kids are screaming. I put on a suit. I got on my Zoom call and she was in workout gear and She was like, hi, how are you? Sorry, we're meeting on a Saturday. She was awesome. She was immediately 
personable and connected. And she asked me thoughtful questions, but she was very specific about the role she saw for marketing and the consumer business moving forward. And I knew within 12 minutes that I was like, gosh, I have to work for these women. And it shocked me because it wasn't what I perceived would be the case within the walls of Goldman Sachs. And everything since that has been the same. It's a phenomenal culture. And I think just the spirit of winning and the spirit of doing things differently and better than others is so in my DNA and it's so in the DNA of the organization. I think that's when the best marriages happen. I'm loving it. And I also think I have the best job in the bank. Who doesn't want to build the consumer banking platform of the future and be able to tell that story to the world and really change how the category is done? So I'm super excited about it. I love that story. It sounds like really it is about the people, as we always say. Was there the tipping point for you that said, I want to do this? In addition to working for these women, what is the vision that you're working towards that's so exciting? Yeah, there's two things in addition to working for these powerhouse women. One is Fiona is the first chief marketing officer ever at Goldman Sachs. And she's got great sponsorship at the highest places in the organization about the role that marketing will play in the firm moving forward. So she's drawing great talent. There's a lot of energy around what marketing will be and can be and being able to be part of authoring that. At a firm like Goldman Sachs, it's been around for 152 years and has nearly a trillion dollar balance sheet is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. The other is really about banks caring to play a role in the financial success of their customer base. When you think about great brands and the reason great brands sustain, I think it's because they make good on the promises that they make to their customers and consumers, right? Otherwise, marketing is just nonsense. And I'm not in the game of nonsense. I think I'm in the game of meaningful connection, right? With people and customers and all of that fun stuff. This was the opportunity to actually join a team that I believe will create the consumer banking platform of the future for a next generation of customers who won't just accept how things have been done before and want something different from their bank. Banking has become such a rational category where people try to outcompete each other on like this basis point or that fee or like this rounding error. No one cares. What consumers care about is actually someone caring about their financial success in life. Money is literally the most emotional thing in a person's life other than their family. It enables everything. Mm -hmm. When you look at how consumers now think about money, completely different, right? It's seen as an enabler. And the fact that 74% of consumers say banks play no role in their financial success is abysmal to me. That makes me super sad. And I think it's something that Goldman Sachs can change. And it's something that Goldman Sachs Marcus will be uniquely positioned to do in the market. And I'm really excited about that. So those things, in addition to working for powerhouse women who get it, transform things are probably the primary reasons I decided to join. Those are pretty sound reasons. Lippincott worked with Goldman Sachs in the 70s when we created their identity. And then over the years have done different things. We were really proud to work on Marcus. And the inception of what that brand was supposed to be. Now there's kind of pivot where it's Goldman Sachs Marcus. So it's coming closer in to the core, which I think makes sense. Tell me how you see the brand evolving, what you want people to think about when they think about Goldman Sachs Marcus. 
Yeah, I, I love this question. I just have so many dreams and I swear I wake up at 3 a.m. thinking about this, such as the transition from Marcus by Goldman Sachs to Goldman Sachs Marcus is a small yet important transition for many, many reasons. One is what I talked about in terms of the category convention of consumers not believing banks play a role in their financial success. When you look at the strengths of Goldman Sachs as a brand, it's known for financial excellence and prestige and knowledge and 152 years of helping the journey of financial success, whether it's on an IPO or a company, it doesn't matter what it is. Like That's the perception of, of the firm. That is a power asset and frankly, one that fintechs would dream to have, right? When yes. you think about it. Marcus, on the other hand, if Goldman Sachs as a brand has one thing that it might have associations around it is the fact that it feels inaccessible to the average consumer, which means as a consumer business, you have to overcome this barrier that it's inaccessible to me. And that's an immediate thing. So I have to get across that we're doing something different than you think we're doing. And by the way, it's really for you. Marcus has great perceptions of being a brand. For me, it's an accessible thing. So I think it's this careful balance of how do you unlock the power and the prestige and the financial knowledge that comes with Goldman, but on behalf of a consumer using customer-centric experiences, using that accessibility and the idea of innovation and the way in which we will build our banking platform with a fintech mindset that is fun and energetic and actually delivered in a way that people want to interact with. I think the marriage between those two things is like a dream, right? I think that that's explosive. And there are two leaders at the helm with experiences in fintech and other tech companies that I actually believe can do that. Beyush Nahar, who's leading the consumer business, who's got a great background from Amazon and Uber. And I just love the way he's thinking about building this consumer-centric banking platform of the future. And Swati Bhatia, who joined from Stripe just under a year ago, a fantastic female leader with great experience doing things differently in financial services and just a creative visionary for the future. When I think about in a year, what do I want people saying? I want every young, ambitious person, and frankly, every person who shares qualities of winning and financial success and how to manage their money to be like, I got to have that Goldman Sachs Marcus thing. Mm -hmm. I got to have that. It's actually going to enable me to do the things in my life that I want to do. I think that that is super exciting to get to author that and be part of a journey where you change a category, but you help people. And when I think about our country and how money and financial services has operated, I just don't think it's done a service to the consumer and what they're really looking for at the end of the day. It is such an exciting proposition. I always get this sense that you are fueled by a higher purpose. And I know that sounds a little cheesy, but I, I feel like it's true in what I've read about you and what we've talked about and just wanting to make things better, leave things better than you found them. Tell me about some of the things that you've tried to instill among your teams, how they can follow their purpose and what they want to do in the world. Yeah. I'm a student of human behavior at my core, and I love people. I just love thinking about what makes people tick and how to get the most from people and how do we make someone's day feel a little bit better, even in the interactions we have. I think one of my fundamental views is finding your difference. And I think that in my career, I believe that the people who sort of opened and cracked doors for me 
celebrated my difference. So I thought everything was like that. I was like, find your difference and own it. Great brands do that. Great people do that. That's the thing. And that has stuck with me my entire career. So really for me, that has been a primary philosophical thing I've tried to instill in those around me. Don't try to be like me. Find what makes you different and special and own the hell out of it. Because that is what's going to get you into the places you want to get into. It's not like being like Joe. Joe's already there. Like you have something different to add than Joe. So think about how do you be Heather and the best Heather and own the difference and go after it. And I think instead of focusing on the weaknesses that we all have, which we tend to do as humans, that finding that difference and owning it is like rocket fuel for a career. I think the other thing which you talked a little bit about earlier is this idea that we all have a role to play and leaving it just a little bit better for those who are around us or those who are going to come after us. And I view that as frankly, an obligation because Mm -hmm. you and I wouldn't be here if there weren't a whole bunch of women who did a whole lot of things that were probably a lot harder than the things that we're doing. Yes. And I think that it's RBG who said, like, you can't have it all at one time, Mm -hmm. but you have to decide where you're going to leave your mark. And for me, that has been largely about the idea that there's so much still in the workplace around working women and moms. And I found myself early in my career in a place where I was senior when I was having kids. So it allowed me to set norms and do things that usually someone who was at that age and at that stage wouldn't do because they weren't senior enough to actually do it and change the norm in the organization. And sometimes people don't like that stuff because it's a little bit uncomfortable like talking about that I'm nursing in my office and putting up a shade and letting, you know, working moms come pump in my office because why not? Right. Right? Well, it goes back to the assimilation, right? When you're at that age and maybe you're a young mom, I think so many times we are stopping ourselves, censoring ourselves to fit. And the idea that you're celebrating these differences and saying, no, there is a different way. There is a better way, I think is just so inspiring. Yeah. And it takes courage, but it just making people feel comfortable, you know, with who they are and being comfortable in their own skin and not always feeling judged or something's expected of them. And I think that's so important as we all operate and like we, we try to change the way that things happen in our world. And one of those things for me, my husband, we made the decision that my husband would stay home when we had our first child. So he's been home now for five years. My son is five, my daughter's two. And he has gone through his own set of judgments and Mm -hmm. things. We lived in downtown Philadelphia and he would go to the playground and he's like, I feel like no one wants to talk to me because I'm a man, but I have no one to talk to. I'm just with these kids all day and I have to figure it out. So he also is trying to find his own identity in a very gender stereotype situation where people will say to him, he's like, Mr. Mom, and he gets super mad. He's like, oh, I hate when people say that. Like, I'm an active part of my kids' lives and I want to be seen and respected as such. And so I think it's all those things where it's like, we just have to be a little bit kinder to each other, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And I remember when I was going back to work and I didn't take a long maternity leave. And I had friends who had different choices, which as you said, you don't judge anybody, but there was a sense of like, 
wow, I can't believe you're going back. And I think there was something that you had mentioned and and there's a lot of discussion about, you know, can women have it all? And I think the answer is like, not all at the same time, right? So tell me what that means to you. When someone says, do you think you can have it all or how do you do it all? What's your response? Oh man, my response is, I, I really believe that not all at once. And we're all making constant choices and trade-offs every day and deciding what's you know most important to us in that moment. And I think the most important thing is having a support system around you of people who are going to have your back and are going to build you up. Because even my kids understanding like, hey, it's important to mommy, mm-hmm. an important thing. And by the way, when there's something important to you, I promise I'll be there mm-hmm. and explaining those things. And it's a team who you can rely on and leaders who believe in you and trust you and building that over time. And I think that one mistake that I see a lot and that I've made myself at different points is making sure that you're very intentional about communicating what's important to you. Mm-hmm. I think we don't do that enough. I want to understand every person on my team's intention and what they're after, what's important to them. And having those discussions, I think, can really help enable us all to understand each other better and then support each other better as a result of having the conversation. But we glaze right by it for some reason. It's very interesting. We're people grappling with just so many different things in terms of discovering what we want, the pressures that we have at home or with family. So I think that's really important and that we should just all feel a little bit more open to be your authentic self, which I know you're a big proponent of. Yeah. And I think, listen, the authentic self is the best self and it gets the best work product. You will have the best relationships. You will because you're being the most honest and true version of yourself, which allows you to just operate at a different headspace than you are when you're trying to be or fit something that you aren't. And I think that's really important. The other thing is I think COVID gave us a gift, which is that recognition that we needed to be more empathetic. And I really hope as a society, we don't mess that up. And I think it's a lot harder to ignore that you have a life beyond the office when I'm in your house and I see your kids and I understand that there's more to you as like a full person than just what you're cranking out every day at work for me. And what have you done for me today? And by the way, I think Gen Z will demand it. I don't think workplaces have a shot at retaining great talent as this generation comes of working age without figuring it out. Because this generation, I'm telling you just from the work that I have done, I am super excited about what they will do for the world. They want to live life at its fullest today, which means like making change and difference and taking chances and all the things. And I think they'll change it. I really believe it. Yeah. And I think creating things that matter and that are meaningful to them. And yes, in some cases, that's about climbing some ladder and getting to the next level. But in some cases, it's about something much more existential or deeper. What are your intentions as you're looking in the next few months ahead in this new and exciting role? Gosh, I have so many. For me, I've spent the first 12 weeks doing a lot of listening about what do people think about where we are today? 
what do people dream that we will be? How do we think about that? Getting under the team and its dynamics, figuring out the gaps that we have and the things, the places where we can fill those gaps with great internal people, the places we'll have to go outside, spending a lot of time on recruiting because we have big aspirations in terms of scale and growth. And I want great people who believe in what we're going to do. So that's probably number one is getting great marketing talent that can really take us to the next level. That includes everything like modern marketing capability, great partners on our roster, great talent in our inside team, data-oriented thinking, modern marketing technology thinking, and then just building an explosive and successful brand that is embedded in culture. And I'm excited to get to do it, but it's going to be hard work. And I think it's one of the really cool things for me in this role is I get to sit on the operating committee of the consumer bank. And that's a whole different mind mode of like being really close and embedded inside the business to very much how Goldman is run, but getting to play a role of marketer inside the business and how to think about things, the way we orient on customer experience, the way we measure customer experience. If we want to be the consumer banking platform of the future and seen as the most customer-centric bank, what does that mean? And what does it mean not just from a marketing and brand positioning and what we say we are, but in a DNA and how we live every day, what we measure, how we talk to each other, culture, all of those things. And so that's been really cool. I mean, words are great. I love words. I love writing. But what do you do every day? How do you show up and what are you delivering and what is the experience? And I think more and more marketers are thinking of themselves as fueling the business and what is delivered every single day. And so the podcast is icons in the making. And and what I love about the kinds of things that I've been talking about in each episode is the notion of what we think of as iconic or an icon is changing and the people that are making things better and pushing the boundaries are very different and diverse and they come from different backgrounds and they have played by different rules in certain cases. And so I very much see you as that. And I'm just curious, you've talked about mentors, you've talked about these amazing women you're working for, but do you have an icon that you look towards or you channel when you're getting through the day? I have so many icons. I feel like I have been so lucky to have the mentors that I have had. And I can like shoot them off in name. And I can think about the role they played in my story, whether it was a push from behind or a door opened or whatever it was. And I think about them as my story. Like if I were to write a book, my book would be about each of them Mm. and the role they played. But my mom is probably my icon. Like, listen, I grew up poor. We had no money. My mom was a single mom, four kids, one of 12, 42 first cousins. I mean, large Italian family. My parents divorced when I was very young. And she worked her tail off to sort of keep us afloat. And she also taught me at the end of it, love's really all that matters. And I know that sounds so, so cheesy, but if fundamentally... Like you can have nothing. And as long as you have a system and love at the end of the day, you have people who are there for you. Like that's what really matters. For me, it was about independence. She taught me, she wasn't educated. She relied on my dad for everything. And when her world fell apart, her world fell apart because she did not have her own sort of identity. 
right? Her identity was caught up in the identity of the family and his identity. And she made choices and trade-offs that early in her life, because that's what just was expected. And for me, it was about like using the hardships that she went through as a springboard for what I, both the things that I wanted to be like that she had, which was love and connection and knowing that she was there. And also things that I didn't want, which were, I want to stand on my own feet. I'm not ever going to be relying on anybody. I'm going to be a damn independent woman who can stand on my own feet. And I worked my tail off and stayed later and did everything I needed to do and connected to people who believed in me and opened doors and pushed me forward. And I think it is that that has made all the difference for me. And all I can think about are the people that you're talking to, that you're recruiting as, again, you've got big ambitions and they are hanging up the phone or closing the computer Zoom call and talking to their loved ones saying, oh my gosh, I just spoke to this woman and I have to work for her. And this is amazing. And so it's very clear that that's just kind of who you are. And I'm so excited to see what's going to be next. We'll be cheering on the sidelines because uh, we believe in in the brand and what you guys are doing. So thank you so much for your time and your generosity and your honesty. Totally inspired by you and can't wait to see yeah. what's next. Feelings mutual. I'm glad I got to meet you along the way. I hope yeah. I'm just getting to know smart women who are easy to talk to and a lot of shared passion and commonality. So thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, share with your colleagues and friends and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And if you're feeling really generous, leave us a five-star rating. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.